Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Hi, so um, this is now our fifth episode, and we're in January, which is the shuddiest time of the year. So today we're going to be <laughs> talking a little bit about um, working with the new year and resolutions and stuff like this without making a big shuddy mess, basically. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> and, and I think the only thing that is more overused now at this time of year than talking about resolutions is talking about how what a high percentage of people give up on their resolutions in the first week or month or right. whatever it is. It's like everyone cites that and then says, so you should try my <laughs> way of doing goal setting. <laughs> yeah, Don't be one of those people. No, right. One of those losers that like has your resolutions walk from year to year to year. So, and you know, and if we really think about like the mindset that we typically go into this time of year with, um, I think we can start to see why people have such a high fallout rate when it comes to sticking to the things that they really want to do for themselves. And I posted something in the Kitchen Table Alchemy Facebook group. Um, did I do that today? I did do that today. Um, so it says, ditch the resolutions. To resolve means to find a solution to a problem. You are not a problem. The way you showed up for your life the past year was necessary for your growth. Now is a time to reflect, to learn, to create an intention, a positive call to shift, a spark of magic and manifestation rooted in self-love and backed with action. I love especially that last part about it being rooted in self-love because I think one of the, uh, the resolutions that don't get done are the ones that people do because they feel they should. I should lose weight. I should, you know, do this or do that or, you know, learn Spanish or whatever it is. And uh, I found that for me, I I can just not even make those because I know they're not going to get done because my commitment isn't there. And, um, yeah, make make resolutions that make you feel that you're motivated to want to do them because they're rooted in that self-love and and a deeper desire. And they can even be for the same things, right? Right. So, but it really is about, um, that the mindset that we're walking into it with. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if it's, and weight, right? A lot of people, the weight thing goes from mm-hmm. year to year to year or whatever. Um, and how cruel and ironic because our, our, our metabolisms are slowing down from year to year to year. So you, you're kind of like <laughs> putting yourself in this really terrible place. But it, if we're, if we're looking at how we're approaching that, right? And if, if I want to be healthier, if I want to be able to dance longer, if I want to be able to like hike the Grand Canyon over the course of a weekend because a friend from Europe is coming in, or, you know, if I've got those kind of things that are driving me to get fit, mm-hmm. then that is a very different approach from I need to look like the magazines or I need to be able to fit into the jeans I was wearing on the plane when I came back to the States. Right. Right. So, yeah. um, and, And this is one of the things with exercise and stuff in general, like I think a lot of people start exercising and eating healthily out of a place of self-hatred. Right. They are punishing themselves. They think they're out of control. They think that they, like we start um, pathologizing really normal natural drives, right? Um, the, the school of psychology of eating. I, I love the way that he, David Wolf, I think is the guy that runs that up. And I love the way that he talks about, cause there's a lot of people that have talked about emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it gets really easy to get into the space of, well, if you're not eating for actual fuel, then mm-hmm. you're wrong, right? Yeah. There's something wrong with you and you're indulging yourself and all this kind of stuff. I think Michelle May, who's here in the Valley, does a really good job of trying to 
um, she does the Am I Hungry stuff, and she does a really good job of trying to get people away from the judgment that gets mm-hmm. wrapped up around that stuff. She does spend a lot of time talking about um, emotional eating, but she does pull people away from the judgment that they get around that. Yeah. Other programs don't do that as effectively. But one of the things I really liked about David was that he says, you know, when as a child, like that was the major bonding time with your parents. Right. So, of course... It's emotional. Right, yeah. Well, and I've noticed that, too, is that if I'm, uh, you know, during times when I'm stressed out and, you know, or especially if I'm feeling a lack in other areas, then I will comfort myself through eating. Like, well, okay, maybe money's tight right now. But I can eat well, you know? (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's definitely an emotional component to it. And it's not necessarily bad. Um, And if you, and if you accept that it's not bad, then you can, then I think it's easier to rein it in when, when you're at the point where you're like, Oh, you know what? Uh, I went a little overboard tonight and now I feel sick to my stomach. And so I'm still going to eat well, but I'm going to stop a little sooner maybe, or something like that. And, not out of judgment or any feeling bad about it, but just realizing, oh, you it know, doesn't it doesn't feel good, feel good in now. my body right. when I do things that aren't good for my body. Exactly. And the yeah. thing that's really interesting, I think a lot of those times when they're tying the emotional eating and then demonizing emotions in that process, the emotions come to us through our bodies, right? So if we want to do the things that are good for our bodies, then we have to really get into our bodies, right? So Mm. my tongue likes donuts (laughs) to a degree, right? Like even my tongue is like too much. It's really my head that likes donuts. Oh, really? Think about it. Like try it with something that you think is an out of control food for you, for example, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and I've been gluten free for years and just got that released. So I'm like obsessed with gluten food right now, but, um, <laughs> I've always I been obsessed with I it. A donut? <laughs> I did have a bite of it. I think I have had a bite. Of, I had a donut hole somewhere, um, in the past couple of weeks, but, um, but it's the example a lot of people use, right? It's like the right. ultimate whatever food. So, Lots um, of calories, no absolutely nutrition. no nutritional right. value. Um, <laughs> and so, and I don't know if anybody knows how to make those healthy. We've got healthy versions of lots of things, but I don't know that healthy donuts goes up there. But if you, if you think about it, like really, um, and Michelle, Michelle may with the, am I hungry stuff gets people to like really drop down into, um, the the absolute moment, like really be here and now with your food, thoroughly enjoy it, thoroughly sink into the sensuality of that. And if you really start doing that and really connect with the sensuality, really connect with how it feels in your body, then, then you'll see the stuff that your head thinks is really good. Mm-hmm. Donuts, Doritos, right. really fatty fried stuff. Like, Pizza, pasta. All like that. Yeah. when you eat the stuff, it doesn't, you first, you may only need a bite or two before it doesn't taste good anymore. Yeah. Um, but if you really sink down a lot of the stuff, especially if it's like the processed fast food, big chain stuff, you, you can feel immediately that your body actually does not like that. Yeah. I've right. experienced that before where I went on a retreat and, um, uh, it was about a week long and, and then when I came and we had really, really healthy food there. And when I came back home and had, you know, the usual stuff that I had, I was like, ew, this is not good. And my body went some of that other stuff that I was having. But yeah. then the challenge for me was, I didn't have access to it because now there wasn't a chef there making it and getting all this healthy food. And, and, you know, I don't know how to prepare a lot of that kind of stuff, nor do I really have a burning desire to learn. Cause it's not, I know you don't have that problem. You love to cook, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, I've experienced that. And, and, but then after a while, my body just get, got used to the, yucky stuff the usual again. fare. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's really interesting how, if you do have a period where you're eating really, like really good, just really mm-hmm. high quality, nutrient dense, and it's not about calories and fat and whatever. It's about right. good quality, quality, nutrient dense food, yeah. really colorful because it's a feast for your, the eyes eat first, mm-hmm. right? Right. So oh yeah. That feast for the eyes with all the different colors and things like that. When you go back to the processed stuff, you, you can really tell the yeah. difference. And 
um, one of the exercises that I, that I do in groups sometimes and I do with my clients is to, to get them to really see the different, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast before, but to, to listen to the difference between the head voice and the body voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times I think we're making our resolutions out of the head voice, Right. right? Yeah. You should do this. You should do that. And what I've, what I've noticed that the head voice is oftentimes, it has a much harsher edge to it mm-hmm. than the body voice does. And, and it, it's, it's really judgmental mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Right. Whereas my experience with the body voice is that like the first time I ever really experienced agape was once I got into deeper relationship with my body. What's agape? So agape is, um, uh, it's a Greek word for love and it means unconditional love. Oh, right. Okay. So being raised a Christian, there's a lot of talk about agape, <laughs> right. But I had never experienced agape and, um, and my own relationship with the divine was so tainted with this judgment and, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a sinner stuff that I had going through my head that, that even, and, and I felt grace many times, right. But, um, but there had always been this judgment <laughs> in front of that, you know? And so, um, the first time I really experienced agape, it was at, at the hands of my own body actually. Mm. And it's this deeply accepting, always loving, I'm always here for you no matter what thing. And so like in resolution language, right? My, my head would say, you need to be eating more leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's what my head would say. You need to be, you should be, it's better to, right? Right. My body says, oh, I love leafy greens. I love it when you give me leafy greens. They're so wonderful and I can do this with them and I can do this with them and I can do this with them. It's just great. And then you have more energy, you know, like it's just like, there is no judgment there. There is no, it's better when you give me this. It's right. Because even Mm -hmm. in that there's a, there's an implied judgment happening. Right. This is better than that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you're not choosing this, then you're making a bad choice. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, so it's been really amazing to watch that. And so I I would really, um, invite everyone to look at their resolutions or think about them in a way that, um, and look and see whether this is a head voice or a body voice or a judging voice versus a supportive voice voice, right? Cause we'll say, Oh, a loving voice. So then we say it nice, right? <laughs> you know, it's better for you when you eat broccoli. You really should go <laughs> exercise three times a week. I, exactly. <laughs> like, but you know, I, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I was raised with a bunch of Southern women. Like I know you can be really, really judgmental and very nice all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I find the, you know, similar thing with, with exercise. Like I've just learned some of it, I think too, with, re- uh, resolutions and goals is getting to know yourself. And I've learned for instance, that when it comes to exercise, it has to be fun. Like the Absolutely. whole running on the treadmill thing, just, I can't stick with that. No. I can do it for a week or two and, Give me and then I'm done. And that's right. pretty much what I have yeah. to say about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so I, uh, you know, so there's a, a, a sporting, uh, group that I joined. Um, and so that's, that's a lot of fun, you know, doing sabaki ball and, and it's a great way to get exercise and, um, and have fun, you know, cause it's a team yeah. sport. And so there's the social aspect and the teamwork and, um, yeah. Yeah. And so that's fun. That kind of exercise I'll do. Yeah. No, well, it, I mean, the body loves to play. The yeah. body loves to move. Like, and you see that in little kids, mm-hmm. right? And riding my bike too. Yes! I started riding bicycle, my bike again. Bicycle. Oh, it's so yeah. fun. I know. I, love it. <laughs> I know. I got like an annual, I got an annual membership for a grid bike yesterday. Oh, those are the social, the share bikes, right? So there's a, there's a rack just around the corner from my house. So okay. we've been using them quite a bit. We've been on the pays you go. And I saw like, Oh, I could totally get the yearly for what I'm paying for this. So, and with the yearly, I get uh, 60 free minutes a day. Oh, cool. So I figured that would incentivize me like, okay, you're getting 60 free minutes a day. Like 
That's go good. use it. Yeah, you know, take instead advantage of thinking, yeah. So so I um I took the light rail down to the Nalbo mentoring that was this morning downtown and then rode rode a grid share back. So cool. yeah, pretty cool. I was excited. It was awesome. It was really blustery and windy and cold actually, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like a total badass when I finished and <laughs> it reminded me of my commute in Holland. So the worst part was the like heavy bag on my shoulder. So I got to figure that part out, but, mm. but yeah, it needs to be fun, right? Like I love being on my bicycle. I love, I need to be outside. I get like there's this spiritual thing. It's like a prayer to be hiking in the mountains. And it's one of the things that I really love about Phoenix is that there's so many places in the city where you can be on a trail and come off the trailhead and be back in the, you're right back in the city. Right. So within 15 minutes you could be, I mean, you know, it would need to be a pretty casual meeting where someone's cool with you being in hiking clothes and sweating, but you could make a meeting 15 minutes off of getting off a trailhead. Right. So, um, and something to be on in something like that in the middle of the city is really wonderful. And I like doing that with my kids too. Yeah. And, and it's cool because you can, uh, it's sort of social yet, um, individual at the same time you can go by yourself or you can go with other people and even when you're with other people maybe you're talking and maybe you're not you know maybe you're just walking side by side or you know in a single file or whatever and so you don't even have to um you know it can be sort of semi-social i guess yeah 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 no it's it's um yeah, it needs to be, it has to be something fun. And I have this, I have the same way. Like there's been times that I have done elliptical or it's like, if I use that time to read or something, then it's better. But 45 yeah. minutes, five times a day yeah. or five times a week. Yeah, no, no way. <laughs> get, me, get me outside to have fun. Yeah. That'll, I'll do for a while, but then you get sick or something happens and you get out of the routine and, it's and then it's gone Yeah, and you can't bring yourself to come back in again. So right. if you're doing something that's really, really fun when you get sick, then you'll start doing it again. And if you're yeah. doing something that's social, like social dancing also, right? There's mm, a group here in oh, town. Yeah. yeah, there's a group I here in town that does too. salsa lessons. And so you get like a free salsa lesson and then it's open dance afterwards. And um, so, yeah, if you're doing stuff like that, then people ask where you were last week and it gets you back in the door again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, another thing that I have learned in the past uh, couple years that has really helped me with goal setting is understanding that there's a difference between results goals and process goals. Mm. And so a result goal is, you know, I want to, um, uh, like, like maybe if we want to get like a thousand, uh, subscribers to our podcast, or, you know, you have a certain income goal that you want to hit, or you want to get a certain number of clients or customers or a raise at your job or, you know, something like that. And the challenge with results goals is that sometimes there are aspects of achieving that goal that aren't in your control, right? right? So like, for instance, if you want to raise at work, well, there are certain things you can do, you know, you can talk to your boss and propose something or whatever, but it's up to them whether or not they're going to actually give you the race or same things. If you're trying to get more clients for your business, you can put together a marketing plan and execute it and, you know, do what you need to do, but then it's up to the customers to actually make that buying decision. So, um, you know, so that can be frustrating when, you know, I'll set a goal and I'll work really hard towards it, but then I still don't achieve it. And, you know, maybe it's because something that I did wasn't good enough in my strategy, but sometimes it's other people, you know, sometimes that's just, you know, the way things work out. And so what I found is that with my goals, I have two parts now. I have the pro- the result that I am aiming for, but then I also have my process goals, which are the actions that I'm going to take every day or week or however often that's going to help get me towards the goals. And so I really hold myself accountable to doing the process and then trusting that, you know, the rest is going to work out. And, and this is where, you know, you can definitely bring spirituality and, and, and trust, you know, into it is saying, okay, like just last night I did my goals and, um, 
And I said, okay, these are the parts that I'm going to do and I'm going to be responsible for. And I'm trusting the universe to take care of these other parts that are outside of my control. And, um, and that's just, you know, it's a good perspective and it helps you not, uh, get down on yourself if, you know, things aren't going the way you want them to go because sometimes they just don't for whatever reason. And then, um, and then another thing that is really helpful to me also is looking at what is the why, the intention behind what I want. And so for instance, like with a health goal, you know, maybe your result goals, you want to reach a certain weight, but really the why behind it is being healthy, having more energy, feeling good in your body, you know, having fun while exercising, you know, those are really, it's those things that you're after. You know, if you want to, uh, you know, to find your soulmate, well, it's really about the connection and the love, not about, you know, just having someone to marry, right. Or to validate you or whatever. So, um, so yeah, well, and I think too that like tying together of the why behind the the goal, um, you're tying that into your bigger why and look, focusing on process. It really opens the door to be learning while you're doing this, right? Yeah. Instead of setting yourself up to this place of you win or I, you lose, right? Did yeah. I make it? Did I not? Did I win or did I fail? Um, you know, like comparing yourself against whatever you think you, you go shooting on your, yeah, start (laughs) shooting on yourself all over again. So, um, it, yeah, I think that, that knowing why being connected to that, um, and focusing on process. Cause I, I think too, um, I learned a lot about perfectionism, um, this holiday season and, um, I, I, I'm pushed up against it every new year because I, I do this big fancy New Year's Eve dinner, um, as you know, because yes, you got to come play awesome. with us this year. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I do this big fancy New Year's Eve dinner and it is a place where I really push myself. Um, it's, it's pushing my creativity. So I really try to, there's a theme every year. So, um, so I'm trying to find things that are going to fix this, you know, that are going to fit into this theme and elaborate on that a little bit. So I'm pushing myself creatively, how my creativity and my cognitive processes are working together. There's how each plate flows into the next plate. Right. Um, and then there's this tremendous amount of planning, um, that happens and like on time execution. Yeah, because that was like five courses, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, five courses. And the courses are served on the hour, every hour, right? Um, so that means that I have to get up at a certain time to go put this in or to serve the sauce or, you know, so I've got to be paying, like, I'm having, I want to have fun, but I also have to be paying very close attention. And the timing's really important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that have worked with me, you know that clock time is not necessarily what I move <laughs> by. I am more like process time and people time than I am clock time. But, um, uh, so it's really challenging for me on a lot of different levels. And last year, especially a lot, several different things went wrong. Like my disposal gave out 10 minutes before the first course. Oh, and it was an eight course that was around the world in eight plates last year. This year it was layers upon layers. So, um, so I'm always pushing up against that perfectionism because if I, uh, in, you know, I'm like cooking for a week beforehand. And if I'm getting to, there's, and I love the, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this. She talks about the beautiful, like crystalline purple butterfly that's in your mind. <laughs> right. And then the sad fucked up paper mache that actually like <laughs> gets made, you know? And so, <laughs> so there's that, right? I'm constantly having to negotiate with that because the original idea that I have versus what time will allow. And like this year and last year, both Jason's family was in town. So I want to be able to enjoy not only my guests in the evening of the, you know, on New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I want to be able to enjoy family while they're here. Right. So, um, so it's getting to the space of where do I let go of certain ideas that I had? Mm -hmm. What becomes really important? What am I really trying to do here so that I don't either tax myself so much that I'm too exhausted to be of any use to anyone 
and or start getting really angry, nasty, and snappy Mm -hmm. because I've pushed myself too hard. And this year, I pushed myself a little too hard, right? So there were a couple places where I felt really crabby and nasty. And I don't, I think I did a pretty good job of not being too crabby and nasty, (laughs) Um, but I felt kind of crabby and nasty several times, right? So, um, and it's, and and I recognize it's negotiating with that perfectionism, right? And, and when we're, when we're looking at that perfectionism, most of the time we're focusing on this, we're focusing on some kind of outward expression of something usually, right? We're trying to like polish our shell up really well. And it's one of the things that I ended up learning from my mom, my mom would, she wanted everything to be perfect and she ended up being really nasty and crabby to us because it wasn't going the way she wanted it to. And of course the reason she wanted the table to be perfect was so that we could have a really lovely meal together and enjoy each other's company and feel pampered and valued and, you know, like, um, and we didn't have a lot of money, so it was a nice time to feel rich, right? Right. Like, let's put on nice tablecloths and get dressed up and all this kind of stuff. So, but if, if in trying to create that environment, I get so hung up on details that I then can't actually enjoy the people I'm with, then I've lost the plot altogether. And I think we can strive for maintaining our process, right? We can continue going back to a process because it, the, that, especially in English, right? And then I think American ideas of perfectionism is, is, is like another level. Like it's this Barbie doll kind of weirdness, right? Um, we get so hung up on this idea of, of being perfect that it starts shutting everything down and making yeah. everything static and plastic. And yeah. And you know, you know what I found is that Interestingly enough, a lot of times you don't have to get to that perfection for people to feel it, you know, because like, like we could tell, you know, as a guest there at your, at your dinner, I could tell how much love and care you had put into everything. And, you know, if there were things that weren't quite perfect, I didn't really notice because I didn't know what your grand I, plan I, was. Right. I learned a right? long time ago to yeah. keep my mouth shut because people don't taste it until <laughs> yeah. I say something. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just the, just seeing that someone has put that kind of effort in and that they really do care. And, it, you know, it's it really is. It's like it's the thought that counts. And yeah. that maybe sounds kind of trite, but... But it really is true. You know, people can pick up on that and go, you know, it's okay if it isn't perfect because there's love behind it. And and that is so much more powerful than something that is, you know, perfect on the surface but has nothing behind it. Where it's like, oh, it's just fancy. It's all done up to, you know, give a certain impression. Or has teeth behind it. Yeah. Right, teeth yeah. and nails instead <laughs> of uh, <laughs> you know. But if we're if we've got a process that we're 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 disciplined about holding on to and continuing coming back to that process, the the process is about learning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. same thing with meditation. I think there's a lot of teachers out there that teach meditation much in a much more useful way now. But I remember when I was first exposed to meditation, it was this idea that you should clear your mind of all thoughts, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's impossible for me. I've never been able to do that. Right. Like, and I think it must have always been guys that are doing this, right? Like, so as a creative, intelligent woman, there's like 870 tabs open at all times, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's not going to happen. And then, then I heard a teacher saying, you know, just go, Oh, that's a thought. Right. And to not attach to the thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, to like, let the thought go, this guy's saying, like, imagine there's a bubble and the thought flows away, I think was the image that he used. But what's wrong with the thought? Having well, the thought, it's that's the thing, the thing, the thing about got. the meditation is one of the things, one of the things that I've uh, seen as a benefit from meditation is that it's that process of coming back. Right. So like if you're focusing on the breath, for example, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you start focusing on the breath and then these thoughts start coming in and, um, and so you let the thoughts go and then go back to the breath. It's like, you're constantly pulling that Mm -hmm. monkey mind back to focusing on the breath and recognizing, um, I think one of the big benefits too, is recognizing that like Byron Katie says the problem with the mind 
is that it believes what it thinks. <laughs> right. So it's about taking control of what you think. and It's about recognizing that your mind isn't always telling you the truth and that those thoughts running across your mind may not be you, right? right. Like, because there's the thought and then there's who's watching the thought. Mm. Like, who's... Oh, it's, yeah, it's separating the thought from you. Right. Because like sometimes we sense that... Uh, who we are, like our thoughts are who we are kind of thing. Exactly. We start identifying. Right. So it's separating that out. Yeah. Yeah. So when you kind of pull back from identifying with the thought and attaching to the thought, then, then you can see that there's something else in between. Right. And that's, that's where the magic happens is that space in between. But, but it's that process of continually coming back, continually coming back. Mm -hmm. And so that learning to come back to process is really, really powerful. When you wake up and catch yourself doing something that you're like, oh, I know this isn't good for me, or I know that this is just an autonomic response and I'm not really, I'm not really being human and standing in choice when I do that. I'm just sort of being this machine that's reacting to something right. it's been programmed to. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, then then we, when we wake up and realize that we come back to process and, and then we can learn from what's going on. We can, we can use the ways that we stumble and fall mm-hmm. to become stronger and, and well, more then you're less and attached more. to your thoughts. And so then you can, um, you can let go of them more, the ones that don't serve you right. a lot more easily if you're not attached to them. Absolutely. You can say, Oh no, no, that's, that doesn't work for me. No, yeah. goodbye. <laughs> you know, as opposed to it sort of being stuck to you, you right. know, and you can't get rid of it. Even when you're like, this isn't healthy for me to be thinking this way, but you can't yeah. get rid of it. You know? Right. We get, yeah. we end up getting locked <clears throat> into fixed mindset mm-hmm. about our ability to change our ability to, right. Yeah. Like, so that, yeah, it, it, we started, if we're identifying with that, it's really easy to go into the fixed mindset and which we talked about first episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second. Yeah. Early on. Second. Maybe it was second. So, um, uh, yeah, so that we can get locked in that fixed mindset and then we start in the shame and blame stuff. And then we, then we shut ourselves down. Right. So looking at trying to make goals about the things that, um, building on where we've been for this year to make next year even better, Right. Instead mm-hmm. of chucking all of last year out. I mean, I think so many people, they're like, ah, screw you last year. You know what I mean? Like, that's so, this year is going to be better. All right. So, but if we're not valuing the work that we did last year and the things that came around and the lessons that we could have learned from that, yeah. then... Then how do we make the next year a better year? Yeah, well, and success is really built on the foundation of repeated failures and learning from that. Absolutely. So just because you didn't necessarily make all of hit all of your goals that you had set for yourself doesn't necessarily mean that the year was a failure. It means that you were probably learning things, (laughs) which is going to just come in even more handy in the following year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important to like pay attention to like as in this time, this shittiest time of the year, <laughs> um, as you're like looking at this it's stuff, the shittiest time, time of the year. <laughs> so like if, as we're looking at this, like to really pay attention to the thoughts that are going across, the judgments that we're making about ourselves, right? Um, and and what we think our capacity is going forward, and. Yeah. And and not get like trapped in these stories mm-hmm. that oh I'm not capable of doing that or I've tried a bajillion times and it, it never worked. It's like, yeah. well, did you try every time out of self loathing? Yeah. Did you always start that path because you're crappy and shit and not worth anything until you can meet the cert like that goal? Mm, right. Meeting that goal makes you valuable, or are you striving for that goal because you want to honor the value that you have? I mean, that's a really different mindset. Looking at the same goal, but yeah. guess which one makes it? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then in addition to to that piece of it, also looking at your processes, and maybe you just need a different process this year. Right. You know, maybe maybe it's still a good goal, and and uh, maybe you just need to try a different approach. Right. And that's something that we we experiment and we learn and we figure out what works. And um, and another, there were a couple other things that I wanted to also mention about goals. One of them is that. To be open to the idea that um, there are many different ways to get what you want. And so just because you, I mean, you're going to pick the strategy and the process and the goal that you think is going to get you, you know, most likely to get you where you want to go. But at the same time, stay open to the fact that maybe there's a better way and, and keep your eyes open for opportunities to improve your strategy and, and really look at what works for you and what doesn't, you know, because just because so-and-so, you know, has this great plan that helped them, you know, get fit or whatever, um, that plan may work for you and it may not. And my experience is I usually have to adapt other people's processes and look at it and go, okay, I like that part of it. Oh, that's not, that piece of it isn't going to work for me. I just know myself and I know that's not going to happen, you know? So really make, make it your own, you know, and don't feel like you have to copy someone else's way of doing it. Yeah. Well, I think such a big, I mean, if we're really using this, this time of year is a really wonderful liminal time of year uh, January is, it comes from Janus, who was a, a Roman two-faced god that looked forward and back at the same time, right? So, and that liminal space, the space in between of taking inventory of what we've just come through and looking forward uh, to where we're going, um, and the train just ran away. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> about Giannis, both I know. going so, like, and backward. And, it, is that the same as Janus? Yes. Like the Roman? Okay, yeah. I always assumed it was pronounced Janus. Yeah. So, because um, <laughs> they use the J like an I, which ends up being like a Y, depending on where it is, right? Oh, so, okay. Um, uh, but yeah, that... That Giannis or, or Janus, it's that two, this is a really liminal time, you know? So right. it is a good time for us to take a step back and pay attention to where we've gone and where we've come. And if we're using this and if we're using this in a, in a loving way, if we're, if we're, if we're looking at the magic and manifestation that can happen here, right? Like the post that we had in the group, um, then, then we're always, um, and it ran away again. Why does it keep running away? Maybe there's something even better <laughs> waiting to come out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it, yeah, it can be it can be a time of really validating who we are as individuals, as souls, as whatever that core of the core of the core of the essence of the essence of the essence that you are, right? Like then that means we're, if we're trying, if we're constantly trying to get closer and closer to that self, if we're constantly trying to pull away the layers that are um, that are keeping us from letting that fully flow forward, right? Then um, then we're going to have to find ways that that are unique to us, right? It's mm-hmm. about so use this time to 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 try to pull back as many layers as possible and drop into the essence of the essence of the core of the core of you and see what needs to come forward and how you can best support that, that flowing forth. Yeah. I, um, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to write stories, write fiction. And then I, because I was in the fixed mindset, I realized, or I thought at the time that, uh, you know, I just didn't have what it takes to, to do that. So I gave it up for, for a long time. And then one time when I was listening to, um, it it was someone speaking about loving yourself unconditionally. And, and, and the question that was asked was if you loved yourself unconditionally, if I love myself unconditionally, you know, what would that look like? What would that mean for me? And the thought that came to me was, I should write, start writing stories again. And 
you know, so I, I think that's a great question to ask oneself at this time of year is, you know, if you were just living in love and loving yourself and loving your life and doing things just for the fun of it, what, what would you do? What would your goals be if you didn't have to do anything, if you could just do what made you the most happy? So I think a lot of people think if they act just in self-love and acceptance, that they are going to lay around all day and <laughs> eat bugles off their fingertips. And, you know, and, and I think, um, I was like, you know what, why don't you just go ahead and try that and see? Yeah. Well, and like, maybe you would well, for a few days or know. a little while. Would you, but- like if it's really out of love, you know, like I think we have this idea that we won't do anything if we don't beat ourselves about it, yeah, right? We think we have to be standing beside, behind ourselves with a whip, like telling ourselves what a piece of shit we are all the time or we won't move. And, and you know, one of the things that I, that I say to my clients a lot is, you know, if you heard someone talking to a five-year-old child the way that you talk to yourself... Would you report them for child abuse? <laughs> Like, what would that look like? You know, what would that feel like? And when we put it in those kinds of terms, and we all have a little five-year-old inside of our hearts, right? All of us are walking around with that. So when we put it in those kind of terms, it's really obvious that you are not going to motivate that child to improve their behavior by screaming and yelling and deriding them and telling them what a piece of shit they are. Right. Like you can, in your mind, you can see in your heart, you can feel that shrinking and closing down that's going to happen in that space. Right. So how, how do you motivate children to, to, to behave better and to be their better selves and not, you know, spend all day biting and hitting and kicking people and not sharing. Right. Like you, you do it with kindness and redirection and, compassion and understanding, right? Those are the things that get them healthy boundaries. Yes. You know, healthy indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, that's, and you know what? We never quit working that way. Yeah. We still work that way. So, so yeah, as we're moving forward in this and as we're keeping ourselves on track with it, um, yeah. What, if, if you heard someone talking, to a five-year-old, the way that you're talking to yourself about how you make your goals, would you would you report them? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, being the very practical person that I am, I like to share, um, you know, tips and examples and things like that. And and we've done, uh, we've talked about some really great stuff as far as mindset and focusing on process and self-love and all this great, wonderful, wonderful stuff that is really important. Mindset really is the number one thing. It's not everything, but it's where you start. It's the foundation. So, uh, so I want to share an example of how I use that last night when I was looking at my reflecting and looking at my goals for the year and trying to figure out uh, what I was going to focus on. And so one of my primary goals for this year is to make a certain amount of income. And it's a, it's a number that I've never made before. It's, it's a stretch, but not unrealistic. So it's got that whole kind of smart goal thing right. going on. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm sure that's um, on a lot of people's lists this right, year, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Income's a big one. And, and especially, you know, uh, like I was thinking, I was like, you know, really, um, what I have made in the past used to be a really good income. It used to be very respectable and, and I could live comfortably off of that. And, and, you know, inflation being, you know, what it is, uh, everything costs more. And so I'm finding myself in this place where it's like, Oh, I can't, you know, I'm at that point where I'm having to say, no, I can't afford that. And which I hate. Uh, so I had to revise my expectations of what is, a reasonable income yeah. nowadays. Yeah, and no, it's really true. I think a, like thirty three a year is a subsistence uh, income. Yeah. yeah, and it it used to be 
like that was, de- that pretty, was good. That was pretty yeah. decent money, right? Yeah. So if you were getting above that, like, oh, you're doing all right, right? Yeah. But like, um, yeah, 33 is subsistence. And studies have shown when people say money won't make you happy, studies have shown, well, if you're making less than 50, yeah. <laughs> then 50 will does make a difference because that's the point where you're no longer worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to pay your bills or whether you have to choose between right doing yeah. the like Roseanne trick of <laughs> sending the gas check to the electric people and you know so that right. you can have a little something other than rice and beans on the table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um over the past few years i have uh, two and a half years now i've been uh self-employed um and i love having my own business and and um it's it's been a great learning experience and and i definitely you know don't regret doing it at all However, but. on the financial side, <laughs> it has been a roller coaster. Yeah, ride. no, man. It, uh, it, entrepreneurship <laughs> will bring up every anything you had laying around, like yeah. stuff you didn't even know was an issue. Yeah, it's going to come to the surface. Well, and I and- have to say that I am like a hundred times stronger yeah. now than when I started in terms of how much financial uncertainty I can handle and the way it affects me emotionally. I mean, I was a wreck the first time that, you know, I was going, I don't know how I'm going to pay all my bills this month. Where's the money going to come from? You know? Um, and now, you know, I can, I can just handle that a lot better and it doesn't freak me out. Um, the same the way, way that, that it used to. to. So, yeah. um, so it's been a great learning experience, but I'm at that point where I'm just, I'm exhausted. I want to get off the roller coaster, you know? And so, um, I have a, a, a temporary position right now and then I'm looking for something that is, um, you know, a better long-term fit and so that I can, you know, be doing the work that I love and getting paid well for it and making that comfortable income again. Um, and so, so one of the so things you totally, did, so, so you're sitting down making these goals and you wrote down this totally understandable goal of, I want to make this amount this year, right. um, to be like nice and comfortable, but still a stretch. Mm-hmm. And then you came back and asked yourself, yeah, I asked the question, well, why do I want the money? Like, like what is the tapping money into for? that? Why we talked about in yeah, the last section. What's, what's important about that? And, and so I, so I made out a list of these are, this is why I want the money. And number one at the top of the list was I want to regain financial stability and stop worrying about money constantly. Hmm. I just want to get out. Cause there's nobody with a steady <laughs> paycheck, but th- that worries about money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's the reason I have a number goal. I mean, technically I've already achieved the goal of having financial stability because I'm at a job where, you know, I work right. 40 hours a week and it has a predictable income. So from from the stability point, I reached the goal, but it's still not at that point where I can really stop worrying about money, okay. right? It's just how am I going to take what I have and make it stretch, right? So, um, so... So that one, I was like, oh, so the realization there was, well, I do already have stability. Yeah. And so really all I'm looking to do is up-level the job and the income. Right. So that was... So that was that, kind of a nice relief of actually, I do have stability. I, it's the amazing one what thing. that does, right? Like yeah. the recognizing what you already have mm-hmm. and building on that, expanding that. I mean, that's what manifestation is all about. Like if if we're moving from this lack mindset, if we're moving from this place that we don't have enough, then we just manifest more not enough, right? But if we start, like, I love that you looked at this and went, wait a minute, I already have stability, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So let me expand that stability, but finding what it is that you are seeking in in what's already around you. And so one of my, I have two, basically two goals for this year. And and there's um, two results goals and then the process goals that, like, go with them. Um, And... And so one of those goals is finding that great job where it's it's fulfilling, it's doing the work that I'm best at, it 
you know, pays well, meets that uh, financial goal that I have, um, and, you know, just other sort of my ideal work environment company culture kind of thing. So I have this wish list, right, of, okay, this is what that ideal scenario looks like. And so that is one of my primary goals um, for this year. So, um, and then, okay, so then on going back to the question of, you know, why do I want the money? Uh, Next on the list is that I want to travel with my kids while they're at the perfect age for traveling right now. They're 10 and 12, and I love to take them around the country, go to other parts of the world. And, and, uh, you know, I realized that we only have four more summers that Alex, until Alex, like, graduates and goes off to college. So, yeah. (laughs) So I feel that ticking clock, and that has been a point of stress, right, around the money is I need to make money so that because the time is running out to do this stuff with them and, Mm. you know, before they grow up. And so that was another source of stress. And so what I realized is, well, you know, what if we did some kind of project where it was like around the world in four summers and, you know, we did like one of those um, crowdfunding campaigns to try and raise the money for it. And, and, you know, I could get them really involved with planning, you know, where they want to go and figuring out how much it would cost. And, and, you know, so it could be great. Just the planning of it could be a great experience for our whole family. And, and there's another way to do it. It doesn't just have to be from my income. That's not the only source of of abundance right. and opportunity. So, so you had the goal and then you asked yourself, okay, why do I really want this? What mm-hmm. do I feel like it's going to bring me? And you made the list and then went back to the things on the list mm-hmm. and kind of looked at them again to see where that's coming from. So you were asking a why to your why. Is oh, that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Peeling back those layers <laughs> yeah, like you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, onions. <laughs> I love onions. <laughs> so, so like, Oh, I need, I need this amount of money to be able to travel. Mm-hmm. And then realized, wait, you know, there's different ways to travel. Maybe I don't need to have a contract with this amount, but mm-hmm. there are other ways for us to find, um, we have more options than right. just me landing a contract for that amount. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the next on the list was um, that I want to make that amount of money um, for respect because I should be making that. I'm a really talented superstar player. Everywhere I go at work, you know, they love me. They want me to stay. Um and, you know, I feel like I've paid my dues and it's like, you know, my turn. yeah, it's my turn. I should be making good money. Gosh, darn it. Um, and, uh, and so when I looked at that, what I realized is, well, you're not wrong, but it's coming from a place of ego and feeling like, um, my worth and my value is attached to the number. Yeah, because it's again coming from the space that you don't have right respect. People don't respect me because they're not paying me enough. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and I was like, uh, I don't. You know, that's not where I want to be focusing my energy. Mm. So so I said that. Well, it's true that I certainly do deserve to earn more, and. Uh, and I and I feel that I should ask, you know, for for that number. Um, at the same time, it's not um, a measure of how valuable the work is. So it's I do. not identifying. You're right. not wrapping your identity up in that number. Exactly. And how much more powerful are we? <laughs> right when we're right. not wrapping our identity up in things <sighs> like that. Yeah. So then, when you go to the negotiating table, it's a whole lot easier. To to negotiate to to do that negotiation dance mm-hmm. and um and and come out with the results that you're looking for if you're not wrapping your personal identity yeah. and what happens in that space right it's in the releasing and letting go um because you're you already see the value in yourself so it's not that this needs to come in to give you value. You already have value, mm-hmm. so this is just following that. Right, expressing it yeah. and, and trusting that 
if I am expressing my value and I'm showing what I can do and showing what the value that is and that people will see that, that the right people will see it. And one thing I've learned is that not, not everybody is going to value you the way they should. Not everyone is going to appreciate you to the degree that you deserve to be appreciated. Um, and it's not because you aren't worth it. It's because they're focused on other things yeah, or they don't see it or they don't get it. And that's really about them. Right. Not about me. And not about us. Yeah. But the yeah. people, Jody, you know, our, our mutual friend, Jody Owen, um, that was one of the great, you know, things that she reminded me of is that the people who you most want to play with are going to want to play with you. Yeah. You know, your people, your tribe, the people who get it yeah. and who see what you can do, those people are going to want to play with you. Yeah. And 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 those are the people you need. You don't need yeah, everybody yeah, <laughs> to no, be your absolutely. friend and to love you. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the next on the list was, um, oh, okay. So this is touching on what we said earlier about the food thing. Uh, so uh, back when, during a time when things were quite well financially, um, I... I had I hired this um, uh, service where they basically made really healthy food for you and delivered it to your door. And then I also at one point I tried having a, a personal chef, you know, that would make things and bring them. And it was so wonderful to have all these different variety of foods and really healthy, fresh ingredients. And I didn't have to make it. I didn't know, have to know how to make it. I didn't have to buy all this stuff at the grocery store. It was so wonderful. Oh, it was great. Um, but it's expensive. It's not, you know, it, it, it is not. You got a, to be Oprah for a while right. there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so that was, and, and that ties in, too, with my health goals, right? I, I want to, you know, get, um, become, uh, more healthy again. And eating is really the biggest part of that. Um, so, so that was one where I kind of went, yep, I need money for that. <laughs> Although okay, I don't have anything I love next to what it. you put here because you said I can reach my health and weight goals without a lot of time and effort on my part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me that that I think that's funny. That's true. Like, I, I'm so lazy when it comes to cooking food. I just <sighs> and, and it's just not my thing. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Just the way I am. <laughs> and what did you find out about that when you dug in a little deeper to it? You know, I don't I, I didn't um Yeah, no, nothing more came up for me on that. So what's, what, what pops up for me, a question that I would ask on that, right, um, is, uh, like wanting to, to do the things that make you feel better, that give you more energy. I'm assuming there was also like more clarity of thought and right. Like, yeah, being healthier. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits from that. And, um, and so the sort of like, well, the benefits are nice, but I don't feel like putting any effort towards it. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Like if, so it, again, that, that framework that I'm always sort of pushing people into of looking at the body, the way, like a child, like a child that you're taking care of, right? Like looking mm-hmm. at, and sometimes it's the body taking care of us like a child, right? but, um, but looking at that relationship with the body. So like watching you around your boys, you're a very... Um, involved mom, right? You're not a helicopter. It's really cool. You've got this really great balance of of being there and staying interested, but giving them enough space to have their own discovery. And f- but like that takes a lot of time and effort to strike that balance, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you see that that it's worth it, right? Yeah. There's payoffs. Well, that come it's easy from it. now. <laughs> that took years. I mean, my kids are ten and twelve, so oh, okay. So, so, so it's easy now. It's easy now. But it, there was a lot of effort in the beginning. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it paid off. Yeah, kids are very labor intensive. The younger they are. That's, I'm I'm enjoying I'm reaping the rewards rewards of all those years of very hard work. So if so you easy. like <laughs> if you got if you started learning how to and seriously like I am like the one skill at wonder when it comes to like 
weekday meals, right? <laughs> um, my typical weekday meal takes about 20 minutes start to finish. That's like from the t- moment I turn on the gas and start mm-hmm. chopping to when we are sitting at the table and eating it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like 20 minutes, all fresh, healthy stuff, like... If you start learning that stuff, would it not become some? I mean, it's hard now because because mm-hmm. I don't know how to do. It. I probably need to take some cooking classes or something and and do it with someone because I like cooking when I'm doing it with other people. Like if my kids are helping me, and they're ten and twelve, so yeah, what great ages <laughs> <laughs> to help them help to help you with that? That would be awesome, actually. Yeah, and then yeah, give me a great idea. That would be super Take some cool. Cooking classes together, yeah. Yeah, and then and then meal time becomes something all three of you are doing together, yeah. and then like high five for their partners later down the road know, because right? they're gonna like <laughs> straight out of high school already know how to cook and yeah. you know be able to handle all that. So, right? Like hey, it. that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so there's four other things on here, and I'm going to go through them pretty quickly because, you know, as we get down, they were in order of priority, basically. Okay. Um, so, oh, that one we already talked about um, just because of the inflation and, you know, just the fact that nowadays you just need more money yeah. to buy the essentials a, of life. A dollar does yeah. not go yeah. as far as it used to. And then buying freely, and that, again, goes into sort of like with this financial stability but the next level of, I want to buy, go into a store and buy something and not agonize over, you know, ooh, is that going to put me over budget? You know, can I really afford that? So mm. that was another thing is just getting back you to can that. agonize freedom. about its carbon footprint instead. Right, exactly. <laughs> Something to worry I know, about, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then investing. That's so. You know, I want to start. I used up all my savings um, in my business to start my business, and so I want to talk to an entrepreneur that's yeah. been there for three years, and you talk to an entrepreneur that no longer has a savings account, right, exactly, <laughs> or a four hundred one k or any of that exactly. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I want to uh, start doing that again, and and of course, my goal ultimately is to buy assets. You know, buy real estate and things like that. But I thought, you know, I can start saving now, and even. Even if I can only put aside, you know, ten dollars um, a week or a month to begin with, that's something. You know, I can get into that habit. You know, create the account and start setting aside um, the money now, and yeah. just sort of let it build up um, at whatever pace. So it doesn't is have to be something that comes later. Right. Something you can yeah. do now. I don't have to wait till I have this huge chunk all at once. You know, yeah. I can start slowly. Yeah. And then the last thing was. Um, uh, I want to go to conferences and that's one of the things that I kind of gave up on with my businesses is, is, um, uh, not having as much money, you know, to go to, you know, like the Austin film festival and things like that, that I really enjoyed doing. Mm. So, um, so that's another thing where I was like, start a fund, yeah. <laughs> set aside a no, savings account, that, put that a little is money so in. powerful yeah. and investing in our own development when we are the ones in charge of the budget. Right. Um, it, it it's really powerful and it does like juice you up and give you all kinds of great new ideas and you know you get to meet awesome people and and then just geek fest around whatever right, the thing yeah. is right like yeah. it's so nice to be in the room like a whole room full of people my people are like geeking out about this thing that you know usually other people you have to like tame yourself when you're talking about it or something so yeah, yeah. so being able to like let your geek flag fr- fry fly yeah absolutely <laughs> is really powerful so okay so like this has been a really long integration station <laughs> but just to kind of um, to kind of break that out for people if you like to do a similar exercise just writing down what those goals are um for the year don't and just let it flow right so don't judge it we're like mushing everything together in this but just writing down your goals and then going back on it maybe put it aside and go do something and then coming back and asking yourself okay what is it that i really want here why do i want this thing what is it that i think this will bring me right Mm -hmm. um and, and again just list those things just do sort of stream of consciousness leave that for a little bit and then come back again 
and ask yourself, is there an, do I already have this actually? Mm-hmm. And where are the spaces that I have this? Right. So, um, and that's part of that alchemical, pro- al- alchemical process, right? The, the changing of the lead into gold is because you already see the gold in the lead. Oh. And you're just drawing it out and expanding it. That's all you're doing, right? So, so we can do this alchemical, alchemical process with our goal setting. Like, okay, what is it I want? Why is it that I want that? Okay, where do I already have this? And it's when we start recognizing that we already have these things in our lives, then we are able to step into that powerful process of expanding what's already there. Yeah. And, and and looking for opportunities in unexpected places. Absolutely. And asking, is this really the only way to get this? Or are there other opportunities. Absolutely. And then then your 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 year and your story becomes more expansive and amazing than you could. That's how you get to that I never could have even imagined this place. Right. Right? Because you're opening up the door for more possibility instead of locking yourself in and thinking that this is the only this way. This is the only way. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us yet again, and we wish you all the best in coming up with some fantastic, magnificent resolutions for this year. We hope that you will join us around the Digital Campfire on our Facebook group. Uh, Just go to Facebook and do a search for Kitchen Table Alchemy and request to join the group if you're not already a member. Yeah. And for those that are already, or once you're in the group, um, we'd love for you to, if, if you've got a goal that you've been working with and you're having a little trouble flipping that around and doing that alchemy on it, um, post it to the group and let's kind of see what insights we're able to pull out of that. Help you, uh, turn some of those lead balls into, <laughs> into gold, <laughs> into gold. Yeah.